When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our special pre-trade deadline edition of the CHGO Bulls podcast, HQ edition, with me, your host, Will Gottlieb, at Will underscore Gottlieb on Twitter, and my good mate who's sipping his coffee because it's bright and early there in Australia, MK Hoops on Twitter. Mark, sorry about the beeping. If you can hear that in the background, there's a truck moving by, but that's not going to stop us because this is my favorite 24 hours of the year. How about you? uh it's it goes close i think the the lead up to free agencies might be a little bit yeah better. the draft and it's like it's definitely in the top three whatever yeah. order it is you know the the draft all, is dependent uh, on where your team is situated within said draft that's free agency there's generally always something happening this deadline i'm not convinced it's going to be a big deadline more generally let alone for the bulls so of course that could dramatically change um but yeah, it's up there. The point is, this is a good time of year for us basketball heads. It's a, maybe a frustrating year or time of year for us Bulls fans, but um, let's wait and see. There's less than 24 hours. Maybe something amazing happens that we're not predicting or seeing, but who knows, William? It could happen. Yeah, not too much on the trade front so far. Just quickly run through the, the moves that we've had today. It's only been three. Uh, Utah Jazz traded Simone Fontecchio to the Pistons for a very high second round pick i think it'll be the probably 32nd pick in the draft it's uh via the wizards from the pistons uh the memphis grizzlies traded center xavier tillman to the boston celtics for two second round picks and most recently the detroit pistons sent monte morris to the minnesota timberwolves kobe white just beat them down last night so hard that they needed to trade for a backup point guard but that's it and i think you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as this deadline being kind of a quiet one a combination of, you know, these new rules making it pretty difficult for teams to sell picks. Um, the combination with that, with, you know, so many teams being in the play-in race and that really feeling, uh, giving teams this feeling that they can be contenders, that they don't need to be sellers. Um, and then on top of that, you've got all these teams that have already traded all their picks away. I mean, the teams like the Bucks have zero picks to trade in the first round. They've got uh, a second rounder via Portland, which could be uh, a mid-30s pick, which is not bad, but as far as like real substantial moves that can make their team better for the season, you know, the options are just kind of limited. So not expecting too much on the trade front in general, maybe even less so on the bulls. We can maybe talk about some of the, the rumors that have come out today if you want, but uh, your idea for our conversation was to hit on some big questions that the bulls are facing here with less than 24 hours remaining. You want to just give a brief sort of rundown on uh, what it is we're going to be talking about today. Well, it's just 
look, to be fair, it's the same old stuff, to be honest with you. It's just a different slant let's put on it <laughs> that, that's been finding on this question. Finding a new slant is what I'm doing, William. But I think that, you know, beyond the, the whole slant finding angle to this, I think the Bulls do have... We, we, I mean, we've limited this to six. To be fair, there's a, a lot more questions that they need to answer. We've picked out six that at least are interesting to us or ones that we want to hone in on. There might be more that pop up during the show. If you have questions in the comments that you want to get to us whilst we're doing this, happy to answer those too. Um, but these are the six prevailing thoughts or questions that we want answered this time tomorrow. Now, I'm not sure we will get the answers to these questions, William. Um, some of these are more holistic, maybe philosophical, very strategic based. Some are more routine or um, short-term thinking. So maybe there's uh, a variance in terms of uh, the likelihood of getting some answers for one question compared to another. But these are the six that we want to focus in focus on because they are six fundamental questions that it will determine this deadline, will determine what the Bulls will be for the remainder of this season, but ultimately and importantly, will determine where the Bulls go from here on out into the off season and, and beyond, depending again on the question and the action posed within said question. So yeah, I'll, let's get into it. Um, maybe we jump into question one and two well, first. But, before uh, before we do that, do you want to maybe just hit on, there's some real quick quick rumor mill stuff from Chris Haynes today. You want to touch on that first? You want to save it for later? Um, yeah, I'm, no, I'm the I'm casual here, as all of you guys are noting in the, uh, in the comments. So I'm just going to let you kind of decide on that one. No, well, look, you are a casual, but you are also the host, and I forgive, I forgive, uh, I not, I forgive myself. I made the error there of diverting the conversation away. I, I did a typical Will Gottlieb thing when he's not in the hosting chair. He likes to tell us where things are going in terms of the rundown. I just did it just then, so I apologize, William. You lead the conversation where it needs to go, please. Well, Matt gets bucket brings it up, so let's uh, let's just hit on it real quick here. Uh, Chris Haynes today was doing a live chat in the BR app. And he mentioned a couple of things. Let's start with Andre Drummond, who appears to be kind of the hot name on uh, the Bulls rumor mill. Xavier Tillman was acquired today, as I mentioned, for two second round picks. And Chris Haynes said that acquiring Andre Drummond might require three second round picks. And there could be a team willing to offer a first round pick. Uh, there was also a sort of cryptic tweet from Jake Fisher today after the Xavier Tillman news that said that this could potentially inform some of the Andre Drummond sweepstakes uh, obviously Drummond is one of the better backup centers in the league. He, he had a fantastic game last night, uh, as the, uh, one of the twin towers for the bulls against the Timberwolves. Um, I think you have some strong opinions though, about the idea of trading Drummond and, uh, whether or not that's a good idea based on maybe some of this other stuff, but what's kind of your, your quick, um, quick thoughts on that and how the bulls should approach it. Well, first I'll be shocked if they're able to move Drummond for a first round pick that to me, seems unlikely uh, and if it is a first round pick i would have to assume it's one of those fake firsts that probably has more likelihood of being a uh a couple seconds or something but we saw xavier tillman get moved for a couple second round picks my expectation for drummond would be three to four second round picks um but if you can get a first i understand the impetus to to move drummond but if your lone move at the trade deadline is trading Andre Drummond and you do nothing else and you're doing nothing else under the assumption that you are trying to continue doing what you're doing, which is playing in that playing space, whether it's the seven, eight, nine or 10, uh, 10 spot. Let's, let's see what, how it all shakes out. But assuming that remains the goal and assuming that's what the, the team is trying to do. And that's the reason why you don't want to move Caruso and DeRozan and, and others. 
then I don't get the logic of only moving Andre Drummond, who is a productive player, a valuable player, someone the Bulls need because they just don't have center depth. Like if you remove Vucevic, as, as we saw earlier in this season, all you've got at center is Drummond. So if you're now removing Drummond and you are quote-unquote trying to win games, I don't understand how you're winning games if you are moving Drummond for future draft concession and presumably not bringing in other options. So I don't get it. That to me would be a half measure. If you're trading Drummond, that means you're not, well, to me at least, you're not really going to be truly competing uh, or and quote-unquote competing. So why stop there is my point. You keep trading. Don't just trade Caruso. Uh, don't just trade Drummond. Trade Caruso. Trade Demar. Do the whole thing. Don't half-ass it. So I agree with that. I think the concept of trading Drummond but hanging on to Caruso from the standpoint of like buyers and sellers and, and that proposition doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, I do think it makes sense just if you're able to get a first-round pick, like you should probably do it regardless of what your plans are, um, yeah. just to kind of like get some assets. But I do think that those are in some ways kind of conflicting viewpoints. And so it'll be interesting if that is the only move that happens to understand from AK's perspective why that move made sense and, you know, trading Caruso didn't. Because I think the one thing that we know about this, you know, this go around with regards to the trade deadline is like, we know that Caruso could be had for a lot of value. Like last year, AK said, you know, you don't, you don't really know what was available to us. So, it, you know, it's, it's hard for you guys to like criticize what we did or did not do. And this time around, like, I think it's pretty clear based on all the reporting from various sources that like the bulls are able to get a really good package for Caruso if they want to say yes to it. And so not trading him, there's, there's a decision there. It's not like, Oh, we were shopping him, but we couldn't really get what we wanted. It's like some really good offers are out there and you chose not to take it. So, so why is that? And I think part of it is going to be the answer that you're, you know, speculating, which is that they still want to be competitive. So if you're going to trade some of your productive players now, why not trade all of them? Um, I think they're still just trying to, I mean, really it comes down to like, they're not just like in the middle. They're like trying to be in the middle. They don't want to go like for a full teardown. They can't go much higher up than this other than like whatever internal improvement they have. So from that standpoint, I wouldn't be upset if the bulls are able to add another first round pick to their cupboard and move forward with that. Um, I think we're in hundred percent agreement as far as like, they should be looking to move everyone and they should capitalize on Caruso while he is at his peak. Um, but you know, I, I don't think, I, I do think there's an argument to be made that like, well, they still want to compete and losing Drummond for a first round pick is still, we can still compete with that. And maybe we got a buyout center or a Damasinogo steps up or you go small with Terry Taylor, whatever it is. Um, a backup center should not, you know, getting a first round pick for a backup center should not be affected by your standing uh, at all. I think that's just a good value proposition. So um, that was the one thing we kind of touched on it here. The other was uh, also from Chris Haynes, quote, they believe they could move up in the Eastern Conference standings. That in reference to the Bulls' desire to stay competitive this year. Um, not necessarily sure if that means that they're going to be looking for additions, but I think it does kind of reflect the sort of packages that the Bulls are going to be looking at as far as what they want back in a potential Caruso trade or a Drummond trade or whoever it is. So uh, we'll kind of see there. I'm pretty skeptical that they're going to be able to find trades that satisfy their desire to stay competitive and also get picks. Like I think there's, you can kind of criticize them, criticize them for having this standpoint, but it's also, it's not really like meant to be a critique. It's just like, it's really difficult to find, to, to make a, a sell trade that helps you get better and gets you draft picks. Like those, those trades just aren't really 
out there. I think that's a, a difficult thing to find. So um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that as far as like their desire to stay competitive within sort of these constructs of what they're looking for at the deadline? Well, I think this hits on the first question that we want to discuss the whole Andre Drummond thing and this whole competitive nature to it. If you are moving Drummond for a first round pick and assuming it was a first, even for multiple seconds, like that, that is good value. But assuming you do that and you don't replace him, then I don't understand the whole competitive element to this whole thing. Uh, like, let's run with the idea that maybe you could get a, you know, a heavily protected first round pick for Andre Drummond. If that's the market for Andre Drummond, a backup center, then to your point earlier around value surrounding like Alex Caruso, which, which we'll touch on soon, that should give you even more impetus to, to trade someone uh, like Alex Caruso. Because if you can net a first for Andre Drummond, a productive uh, role guy on a, on a good deal, then what can you get for someone like Caruso who's even more productive? So I don't get the idea. I think if you're trying to be competitive, you can't move Andre Drummond, which again, I'm not saying I agree with. But if you do move Andre Drummond, then you have to replace him in some shape or form if you want to remain competitive because I don't think you can remain competitive if Vooch is needing to play 40 minutes a game just because you don't trust Terry Taylor or Sonogo or whomever. Like You can't even really do the small ball stuff with Terry, uh, with Patrick Williams and Torrey Craig because those two dudes are hurt. Uh, let's see about Torrey Craig because he you know, looked like he got hurt last night. Pat, we know, is out for however long. Let's see how long that is. So your options at center are extremely limited. So this idea of moving on from Drummond for a first, which is nice and good in isolation. I like the move in isolation within the context of what the Bulls are trying to do, which is seemingly be competitive and continuing to do this playing thing. Then you can't just move Drummond. You need to find a replacement or you can't move him or whatever it may be. So it just doesn't line up. The thinking doesn't line up. So let's see. Let's see. Yeah, I guess the the maybe difference of opinion there for me is like I agree with what you're saying and I I think it's probably right, but from their perspective, I mean, again, I think they're trying to stay in the middle and kind of thread this line of being competitive while also, you know, making sure that they have some assets coming in because they understand what position they're in. So if they can do both of those things and losing a backup center is the cost, maybe that is worth it to them. Um I said that though like I've been under this working under this this assumption that they're locked into eight uh sorry into ninth um that's not necessarily true and uh, particularly when you start removing some of these key role players especially with this team being injured to the degree it is currently Zach's not coming back I'm skeptical that Pat will play again this season I don't think they are necessarily as locked or wedged into ninth as what I previously had thought there's like a game separating them in the loss column between the Hawks and the Bulls for ninth Depending on what Brooklyn do at the deadline, assuming they buy at the deadline, they're a team connected to DeJounte Murray. Like that, they could potentially enter into that 9-10 race as well. So there's a chance here that the Bulls maybe don't stay in, in, in ninth. Maybe they're not locked into ninth and maybe they do fall out of the plane. I don't think they're going to catch Toronto at 12th, but could they be the 11th worst team in the East? I think that's possible. So even if they do move on from Drummond or whatever it may be and think they can stay in this competitive range, I do think there is scope for them to fall out of that competitive range. They won't be bad enough to be competing in the tank race, but potentially not good enough to even be in the playing race, like really, truly caught in that middle space. So uh, I don't think 
that idea necessarily holds as much as maybe what it did a few weeks ago where there was that separation between the Hawks and, and the Nets and the Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls have won three of five, but uh, you know only three of their last seven as well. So um, they're they're definitely not playing at the same caliber that they were coming out of that five and fourteen start where they were really um, just clicking on all cylinders. And I think you're right that you know this is not necessarily a given. Um, obviously, we don't know what what's going to happen with the Hawks and the Nets. Uh, ben Simmons is coming back; they play better with him on the court. Uh, Dejounte Murray could move from the one team to the other, and how does that affect things? Um, I just, there, there are certainly no givens here, but again, I think, yes, you can want to make the play in and desire to, to have that be kind of where you end up this year while also making moves for the second or or for the future. And I think that's sort of a, a threading of the needle that does make some sense to me, even if it's not a true commitment to one direction or the other. Um, I think it's a way that they can kind of start to think about the future while also trying to remain in that race this year. So maybe that's what, what they do. Maybe trading Drummond kind of, you know, the bottom falls out and they're not really able to compete in those minutes when Vooch is off the floor or maybe somebody gets hurt. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of hard to, for me, it's hard for, to justify saying like, I'm going to pass up on an opportunity to get a first round pick or, you know, multiple second round picks, by the way, multiple second round picks, obviously, um, you know, prefer a first round pick, but as far as like the the cap implications of a second round pick, you can sign those guys now to multiple year contracts at really low numbers. So Julian Phillips right now is making like $1.6 million, which is below the minimum. Uh, the minimum, I guess I should say for second round picks is lower than it is for a vet. And so if you load up the roster with, you know, a couple of guys that can compete and give you real production uh, from that um, on those types of contracts, that can be really valuable to you, especially if you've got uh, a bunch of $60 million of dead money on your books with Lonzo and Zach. So I don't know. We'll see about that. But to me, like the bigger question and where I've kind of come come down on this um, for the most part is like they really, I think Caruso is the domino that they have to push down. If you can't trade Zach and you know you can't really get something great for DeMar and you're still happy with the way that DeMar is helping Kobe um, and some of the younger players get better. Like it's, yeah, I think what you've been saying is right. That like, it's not the worst thing in the world. If you let the rest of the season play out with Demar and you let him walk in for agency or you sign him to a reasonable deal that you can then look to move him down the line or whatever it is. But to me, like Caruso is the one that has the most value. And I think the most scope now at this point to lose value. Um, so what's your position on sort of the value prop surrounding Caruso and whether or not that really changes from now to this offseason or from now to next trade deadline as far as his value to the rest of the league goes. Yeah, that's that's the question. That's what the that's what management need to be asking themselves. Is Caruso more valuable to the pools now in, in the trade market? Can they net more for him now in the trade market compared to maybe this time next season? Or in addition to that, I guess what what is more valuable? Caru- moving Caruso now for two first round picks. Or maybe this time next year, when you can maybe only get him for one first round pick, but you do have that additional 80 odd games with Caruso, let's say. Like, what is more valuable to the team? Because I don't think it's necessarily fair just to say uh, it's two first round picks now compared to one first round pick in 12 months' time, because you do have that time with Caruso to do a number of different things, whether it's on the court with him, what he's doing on the court, uh, 
from his own playing point of view, but also the development of others and what he means for the team more generally from that standpoint. So it's an interesting one. I guess, again, the answer to this question is dependent on the type of first round picks you're getting. If they're real first round picks, if they're good, per, uh, or at least have the potential to be good first round picks, then I would move him now. I would move on. I would try to pivot now. Cause for, to me, like I'm, I'm thinking about 2025 and I'm thinking about trying to keep that pick for the, the 2025 draft, of course, the Bulls potentially owe that pick, their own pick to the San Antonio Spurs in 2025. So, yeah, I would say that should be the focus. I think next season should be a mini tank season, even if it's just for one season. And I think getting rid of Caruso to enable that, doing the Drummond deal, whatever type of Drummond uh, deal might be. And then if you can, getting value for DeMar. If not, then letting him go in the, in the offseason as a free agent. I think that's fine as well. So to me, like the value proposition, there is more value now to be had. And again, another thing to, to consider is, is like Caruso has largely been healthy this season. Do you really want to risk another year, a year or so where we're saying maybe next deadline, he, you might be able to move him for one first round pick. But what happens if he gets hurt and it's a real injury and he's out for several months? That value proposition, uh, proposition changes dramatically at that point. So I don't think it's worth the risk. I don't think there's added benefit in keeping him beyond moving on from what what it means now to move on from him, both for the team for this current iteration, but also what it means for the next one to two seasons. I think you're also looking at the same movie right now with you know Demar, which is that like last year with uh, two playoff runs left on his contract, where he's still playing at a really high level, he was just coming off an All Star game. Like you probably could get a lot for him. Whereas now as an expiring teams, aren't really sure how the cap is affecting it. He's starting to age a little bit and not look like quite the same caliber of player. And you're seeing that decline in his value to other teams. And so when that happens, you know, DeMar has not, his value to the bulls has not changed. That's remained constant, but his value to the rest of the league has gone down. And so the value that the bulls could get back for him in a trade has gone down. And so even though, you know, they could still get maybe something for him, there's like an inflection point between like what the bulls, what would be worth it for the bulls to do it and what other teams are going to be giving him. And like, they've kind of crossed and now the one has exceeded the other and the bulls aren't really able to get as much for Damar as, as would be worth it. And so they're going to kind of run this thing back again. And I see that same kind of thing happening with Caruso, maybe not to the same extent because he's on a much lower number and he contributes in other ways and is more of a fit with most teams. Um, but I do see that sort of same thing happening. And we were kind of talking about this today in our uh, diehard subscriber only discord channel. We were kind of talking about, you know, maybe the bulls could, if they, if they do hang on to Caruso, maybe they could get like a pick in this upcoming draft because on draft night, teams will be able to trade their picks if they are barred by the step in rule right now. So maybe it's like something that they could get. That's a little bit more immediate, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be more. And yeah, I think there's value in keeping him. Obviously, he helps the team get better. He helps some of these other players get better. But is that cost, you know, worth not moving him now when you could be getting as much as you could in return? Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, I still definitely think that they should move him. I think that's the one move they should make. But I guess where I'm not sure is like how much how much less are they going to have to take for him in the offseason? And is it going to again, again get to the point where you know, they aren't really able to make the move because now it's just a little bit less that they're getting offered and he still matters so much to them that it's not quite worth it. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I will say this, like, I know that 
those offers are out there for Caruso. And if they want to take them, they can. And so the decision not to, if Caruso is on this team past deadline, that's like an intentional decision made by management. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, all right, let's uh, take a quick breather here and talk about some of our friends, including DraftKings Sportsbook, our presenting sponsor today. Because if you are looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58, look no further than DraftKings Sportsbook. They have you covered. New customers can get bet big on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. I'm looking at the lines here. Um, Niners right now, minus two at minus 102. Uh, I'm kind of surprised by that. Obviously, I'm kind of like a casual when it comes to football, but I just feel like Patrick Mahomes would have the benefit of the doubt in a Super Bowl game where he has done it before. Um, He is also the favorite for Super Bowl MVP. So maybe that's a little hedge you can make at plus 125, Patrick Mahomes for a Super Bowl MVP. Um, I don't know. That's that's pretty good value. Or maybe you think the Niners are going to win and you don't really like that spread, but Brock Purdy at plus 225 looks pretty good. So plenty of bets that you can make over at DraftKings. They've got all the lines there for all of your favorite props, whether it's Nick Bosa sacks or, uh, you know, the the time of the national anthem, heads and tails, all your favorite bets. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code CHGO when you do. New customers can get bet $5.00. To get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code CHGO, DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for a gambling problem. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Thank you, William. Game time time now. Uh, Friends, if you haven't already done so, why are you not using game time? It is the best place to get your last minute tickets. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to that next big event that you want to get to, whether it's it's a sports event, a music show, a comedy, a theater event, whatever it might be. Our friends at Game Time is the hookup. They are the place where you get all the killer last minute deals, all in prices. You can do the thing where you can jump online or on the app where you can actually view where your seat will be, whatever seat you're looking at. You can obviously see the price. You can see the last minute price on that particular seat. But importantly, you get to get a a look and feel as to where you'll be situated within the stadium or whatever it may be, the theater. How good is that? And you get that comfort or that guarantee that you are going to get the best last-minute deals on your tickets. So all you need to do is download the Game Time Time app, create an account, and when you do, jump on, use promo code CHDO, and you get 20 bucks off your first purchase. Of course, terms do apply. But again, if you just create an account, uh, redeem the code the, the code CHGO when you go to po- purchase your first tickets, you will get $20 off. So download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Guaranteed. All right, Mark, let's talk about the next couple of questions here. The next one you have written down, similar to the last, but this time we're looking at DeMar DeRozan. Is there more value in moving him now, keeping him and getting the experience of the last 
30 some odd games here plus the play in? Um, or do you think it's better to cut bait and move now? And I think, you know, avoid having to, you know, make the mistake of resigning him for way more than you want to. Well, you can avoid making that mistake regardless. Like you don't have to fall into that mas- that mistake or that trap at the deadline. You don't have to, but because of the deadline, you, you don't have to. You might. You always have the ability to not do that. Um, so that doesn't need to be a thing that happens. But for me, this again is a very easy calculation. If you can move Demar for real stuff, and by real stuff I mean a first round pick, then do it. If all you can get back for Demar Derozan is some second round picks and to make the money work, you need to take on guys that potentially have um, guaranteed money on their books for next season and beyond, then I'm not doing it because then that dramatically changes your optionality from a cap point of view going forward as well for what you can do in the off season for the next iteration of the team. So it really, again, is conditional on what value you can get back for him. So I don't subscribe to this idea that you need to move him, that you absolutely have to. And if you don't, it's a failure because I don't think that's necessarily true. It is obviously true if you're turning down first round pick offers to keep Demar around, given that he isn't expiring and potentially may leave in free agency. But if all you're getting back for Demar is terrible returns, then I think there is value in keeping him. I think there's value in uh, having him next to Kobe for the next 30 odd games to help from a mentoring standpoint. I think we saw last night against the Wolves how it's helpful for someone like Kobe to have that second on-ball guy there to be able to pick things up when when needed, whether that's in the first quarter or when Kobe didn't have it going in that first half or in overtime when DeMar took over as well. So there's value in the team and Kobe having someone like DeMar around for the next few months, assuming you can't get real back value back for him. So... To me, this one's a lot easier to answer. It's conditional on, again, what the value you can get back. But assuming it's not good, then I don't think you need to be forced to do anything. You kind of said this in a very strong way, and I wanted to see if I could bring it back to the Caruso conversation for a second. You said, like, you don't think it's going to be an absolute abject failure if you don't trade DeMar. Do you feel that way about not trading Caruso? Uh, no, because I think you can guarantee yourself that uh, what's the name that you you can get value like with Demar. If I if if we were hearing the same things about Demar as we were Caruso in, in, with with Caruso in the sense that you know you can get one to two first round picks depending on who you want to hear from a reporting point of view, then I would be pushing trading Demar like that would be my position right now. But we haven't heard anything close to that in relation to Demar. So to me, the value prop is a lot different. The age thing is a lot different. The expected, well, I mean, the contract status is very different too. Like Caruso is not up for free agency now or will, you know, in a few months time, whereas DeMar will be. So there's reasons as to why it differs and why based on that, my opinion differs. Um, but to me, it would be somewhat malpractice to not move Caruso in the uh, okay. at the deadline. Whereas DeMar, I think, like I said, you don't have to rush into a new contract. You could let him walk in the off season, assuming you can't get value back in a trade. And we've talked about here endlessly, particularly uh, after the Zach news, that assuming Zach can't be moved, his $43 million is on the books and maybe Lonzo's number remains on the books too. Like that's 60-something million dollars in uh, in money that is immovable against your cap sheet next year. Now, if you have to trade someone like DeMar for Rui and Gabe Vincent from the, to the Lakers as an example, like both of those guys are contracted next season. That's an, an additional 30-odd million that you would have in guaranteed money which may be problematic if you want to re-sign someone like Patrick Williams because we know 
the limitations of what this team is from a tax point of view. So that's why it does matter. And that's why I'm not against this idea of just letting DeMargo in the offseason if I have to take on all this bad money for a couple of seconds as an example. Maybe I think about it more hard if it's like for real stuff, like real picks, but I'm not assuming that's what's going to happen. So to me, this one's a lot easier to answer. Yeah, I feel like if they're going to trade DeMar, you've got to get that. That's the kind of deal where it, it's got to be worth it for you. I don't like, I was kind of getting to the point with Zach where it was like, you should probably just trade him for salary relief because what if he gets injured and now you're stuck with him for the next three years because nobody wants to touch that contract for a guy who's now had coming off of a third surgery? Mm-hmm. Um, DeMar, it's like, I think you have the flexibility to let him walk. And I think. That would be mm. maybe not such a great look for the front office from like more of the casual fan perspective of like, what are you guys doing here? You just let the best player on the team walk for nothing in free agency. Um, why didn't you trade him for anything you can get? I agree with you that I'm not quite there uh, as far as DeMar goes, just because I think he does still add a lot of value. And like, look, if the Bulls are able to get a future first round pick for Drummond and they trade Caruso for, you know, a pick and a good young player, now you're kind of set up much better for the future. Having DeMar around to make this team competitive, that makes a lot more sense now where you're a little bit more set up for the future. When you're fully loaded on this concept of this team and you don't really have, you're still kind of in the red with draft picks. You don't really have a lot of younger prospects that you can look to and say like, these are the guys that are going to be part of our future. And you don't really have the players that you can use to go out and get those picks like that doesn't really make sense. But if you if you start to load up the cupboards, you get two draft picks and a young player between DeMar, or between Caruso and Drummond. Now all of a sudden, competing now I think makes a lot more sense. And there's a bigger difference between what they're doing now versus what that would be. And so yeah, keeping uh, DeRozan I think makes a lot more sense in that capacity. And I I think the bigger concern is like we we're just kind of joking about it like. The extension. I I would be more concerned about keeping him just from the perspective of like, okay, you get to the offseason and your books are what they are. You can't really move Zach at this point. You know, Lonzo, I don't think they would be like bringing Lonzo to shoot in front of the media and putting him on the broadcast if they were like ready to retire him medically. Like, I think they're still trying to get him to come back. So you can't clear that 21 million. They could if they probably wanted to or. You know, he, he still hasn't even started running yet, so it's not like it's that close. But I just feel like the fact that they're kind of parading him around a little bit does not indicate to me that they're trying to get rid of him. Um, no, no. And there's other things to so, consider around that as well. Like, who's his agency? Who's his representation? Who do they represent on this team? What deals have the Bulls and Clutch done in the past? You see that Motorola jersey, or that Motorola patch on the Bulls jersey. Like, that's a Clutch thing too. So I think there's a lot of things to... To consider with that point, I completely agree. Lonzo is not getting medically retired. I would be shocked if that happens. Like, why would you hold on to him for two and a half years to only medically retire? Like, you, you've reached this conclusion now sort of thing. Like, why do it now? If there's any chance of him coming back and being some level of, of you know, valuable rotation piece, it's, it's probably more likely now compared to any other time in the previous two and a half seasons. So it doesn't really make sense to do that. Um, but like, I, I guess with the DeMar thing, like, Whilst they might catch heat for letting him walk for nothing, I think they would catch more heat if they were to ex- extend him and sign him to a two to, to two or three year deal. And like, as an example, what do you think? Where do you think they'll get more heat for? Like, if the Bulls give Demar a three year, ninety million dollar deal, or if they just let him walk in free agency? 
Well, it depends on, and that's where I was going with this, is that informs what other moves you can make. And so yeah. if your move is to bring back DeMar at $30 million a year, guess what? You're not really doing much else. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. you can bring back Patrick, but $30 million for DeMar and you're not getting off of Zach or Lonzo, you're not bringing back Patrick. I mean, that he would have to sign for like $10 million. It would be a qualifying offer. Um, I just, it wouldn't work. Um, and so if the, if the equation is Patrick or DeMar, then I, I think you start to, to get some heat. Um, if you trade him now though, for two second round picks and you get up on the podium and say, we just traded our best player for two second round picks. Cause this is the best we could do. Like it's, it's just difficult for them to, um, make those kinds of decisions when the fan base isn't going to know what the alternatives were. And like the counterfactuals matter here because that obviously informs what you do. But my point was, if you go into the summer and you've maybe won a play in game and got close to another one and you feel still pretty good about yourself and Kobe continues at this level and now you want to bring back tomorrow and run it back again, that's great. But unless you make some other major moves, which, which are, you know, trading Zach or trading Lon or getting off of Lonzo and clearing out space, you're not going to really be able to do that. And so that's why we've been talking about salary dumping Zach um, and moving forward with that kind of flexibility. And I think flexibility, the lack of it has kind of informed not just the moves that this team has made over the last three years, but the lack of moves that they've made. I think in a lot of ways that has come to define this era more than the moves themselves. So um, yeah, I, I think it's it's an interesting question, but I just don't want them to get into a position where they're they're in a similar spot with the Mar that they were in with Vooch last year. And I just see it trending that way the more the season plays out. And so with that in mind, you know, we're talking about flexibility. What's your stance on this? And it sounds kind of crazy, but I think there you could definitely make a, a strong argument for it. Is there value in attaching a draft pick to move off of Levine or to move off of Vooch right now in order to gain some flexibility, some cap space, some optionality, maybe bring in a couple of other role players so that you can move forward? Because I think in a lot of ways, this team has just been up against the tax for the last three years. They're trying to compete, so they can't trade into their best players. They don't have any future draft picks to trade to add to this team, and they really can't add any money because they are already up against the tax. Uh, so if you can't trade away your good players and you can't trade your picks to get new stuff and bring in more stuff, then you can't really do anything. And so I think that's why the Bulls are in the situation that they are. That's why they haven't made any moves in the last three trade deadlines and two off seasons. Do you feel like attaching assets to get off of Zach now makes sense just to have that optionality back so that you can make decisions about DeMar and not be so pressured uh, by the by the luxury tax to do that? Yeah, I think there is, a, and this is a fundamental question that they need to ask themselves. Like, is there value, like what is more valuable, having that asset or having optionality where you can do a whole bunch of different things? I think that's a real question that they need to ask. Now, the answer to that question will again will be determined by what asset you need to give up. With the Vooch, you presumably wouldn't have to maybe give up as much as maybe what you would need to do with Levine in a dumping type situation, given the contract statuses and those sorts of things. But it also doesn't necessarily have to be a pick either. Like connecting the dots here, like if we consider Alex Caruso an asset, which he is, could I entice a team to take Vooch's number? The, the the 40 odd million dollars remaining on his contract beyond this season if i also include alex caruso in the deal you might not get any first round picks back for caruso in said deal and maybe you value 
uh, keeping Vooch around and, and getting in those first round picks for uh, Caruso in separate deals, maybe that's something that you, you you would do. But if for whatever reason you do want that optionality, same thing is true with Zach. Like, can I attach Caruso into that trade to entice the Pistons maybe going in for Zach, even you know, despite the injury thing. Or if it's not Zach, just because no one wants to take a shot at him now because of the injury thing, that maybe there's some medical red flags around that. And we're talking about Vooch or even Lonzo, to be fair. Like if you want to get rid of these guys off the book so you have that ability to do some different things, maybe you include uh, Caruso in said deal. I'm probably more reluctant to do it when it's when we're talking younger assets, maybe less so Dale and Terry. But if I'm having to do uh, include someone like a Julian Phillips or a future first round picks just to get off Vooch, no, I probably wouldn't do that. But it depends on the asset. Like if I can connect Caruso and Vooch together in a deal, send them to a contender and gets back some expiring contracts and maybe some second round picks, I don't think that is the worst thing to uh to really position. I know people won't like to hear that. People will think we're insane for for even mentioning that. But again, to your point earlier, the reasons why the Bulls are on this treadmill of mediocrity is because they are continuously getting themselves stuck on it. And the more you just re-sign your own guys, the less optionality you do have to do something different. So what do you value more? Continuing to do the same thing or changing things? And the only way you can really change things is if you fundamentally want to you know, advance in that path of changing things. And you may need to attach some assets to do so. So I think the Bulls need to come to have their come to Jesus movement in relation to that. I know fans don't want to hear that. They probably don't want to entertain that idea, particularly if they're people that love Alex Caruso and don't want to move him more generally, let alone for connecting him to dump someone else. But I think that's a question you need to ask yourself. Yeah, uh, JK, not loving that mentality. He said, Jesus, thank God you are not the GM. Why would you give up draft capital when you gave up so much to get them? But Matt gets bucket saying he would attach a pick to move off of Zach. Fish says we are stuck with Vooch. He's not that bad on the books for a starter. His contract also doesn't get in the way of a rebuild. I tend to agree with that, Fish. I think it's not the, that's not the worst contract on the books, and it's probably not the first one that you should be looking to ship out. But it does, if you were able to do it, create some more space. And, that, and every flexibility, every piece of flexibility, every dollar you can spare now helps because of where they are. So uh, keep letting us know what you think in the comments. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on the Caruso conversation do you think they kind of need to move him now or is it better to wait and reassess same thing with Demar. would you trade him even if it's for like not very much right now um just so that you can kind of move on from him or do you think it's better to let him walk in free agency tell us what you think and hit the like for us uh we've got like 135 people watching only 19 likes so let's get those thumbs up as we take another quick break here to tell you guys about our friends at ComEd. It's easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles more so than ever. That is something that we can all get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it. Yes, William, the electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence towards an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or you have a whole fleet of shipping trucks, whatever it might be, ComEd is here to help you guide and make the changes that make sense. All right, Mark, so tell people what they should do if they are a business owner well the best thing about this william it is very easy all you need to do is go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources fleet rebates and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric if you own a business don't wait 
Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for us all. Go to comed.com slash clean. Hang on a second. Was that comed.com slash clean? Yes, it was, William. Comed.com slash clean. Yes, go now and see how electric, uh, how we're going electric connects us all to a better way of doing business and for a better future for generations to come. Ah, yes. You know who else is good, William? Empire. Empire. Empire today? Empire. Empire today. Empire tomorrow. Tell us about it. Empire them. all damn day. That's who. You know why? Because they're the best place to go for your flooring needs. They are whatever you might whatever you need might be. You're gonna get it done quick. You're gonna get it done with the the installation will be done. Just top shelf professionalism, and you're getting the lowest price guaranteed. Don't be tempted by some of these other shops who you know will claim to offer said flooring that is cheaper, better, whatever it might be. It's not. It's just copycat options that are made with uh, lower quality uh, materials. The service definitely is not as good. The speed, well, don't even talk to me about the speed. So the competitors, they're not really options. The only place to go, friends, is our friends at Empire. So if you want to get your hands on some new flooring, whatever it may be, schedule a free in-home estimate today. All of our listeners can receive $350 off the discount when they use promo code CHGO. Restrictions do apply, of course, but see empiretoday.com slash chgo for the full details on what's on offer. So as we are just reading some ads here, we got a little uh, slop from Jake Fisher. Should we go through this before we get to our final two questions? Slop it up. Um, Let's slop it up. I just, it's it's my favorite time of year. Um, So he mentions uh, the Xavier Tillman trade again ruling Andre Drummond out uh, for the Celtics, obviously in that case. But he says, quote, Chicago's reserve center has drawn interest from various teams with varying postseason hopes. Philadelphia remains one club with an eye towards acquiring Drummond, sources said, as the former Sixer could possibly start in the absence of injured reigning MVP Joel Embiid. Along with Dallas, Phoenix is another team that has shown interest in Drummond. Sources said the Rockets and Lakers had shown interest in Drummond as well, per sources, but both teams have been categorized as less likely outcomes for the 30-year-old big man. Chicago has stated it will take at least multiple second-round picks for the Bulls to part with Drummond if they move him at all, sources said. Uh, Tillman's cost of second-rounders for Memphis would seem to suggest that a reasonable price point for Drummond, but the Bulls, by all accounts, still have eyes in the postseason, and it's no sure thing that Chicago will ultimately move one of the game's top offensive rebounders. Mark, what say you? Well, I, I agree in the sense that I would be asking more for Drummond than Xavier Tillman. So that's that makes sense to me. Uh, when I saw the Tillman thing, like, as I said before at the top of the podcast, like, cool, if, if, if Tillman, who is a good backup center, I don't think he's maybe as good as Drummond. Uh, he's definitely better in other aspects of the game, but I, you know, I, I would still rate Drummond to be the better backup center. If that's what Tillman can get, a couple second-round picks, then I think we need three or, three or four for Drummond. We've seen lesser players get moved at the trade deadline for four or five second round picks. I think Drummond is worth three to four second round picks. So I understand why the Bulls would say no to two second round picks. That makes sense to me for all the reasons we discussed at the top of sh- the top of the show. Again, the part that doesn't make sense to me is maybe not moving him if you're trying to chase this postseason thing. So yeah, it, the, the slot lines up with everything we're hearing. The Bulls, they're asking for a lot if they need to move on from their guys. And, and you noted this earlier today on, on Twitter, like, to the point where they're asking so much that maybe there's no real opportunity here to actually do anything because their asking price is so maybe obscene in some instances that you can't actually make trades because 
you just you're just asking for too much so maybe that's my uh concern after reading that paragraph or hearing that paragraph but i don't think they're wrong as well for asking a little bit more than what tillman got in a deal yeah i think it's more about a quality thing for me than quantity necessarily you know obviously five second round picks it'd be hard to say no to that but you know if it's a 35th or better or even really like top 40 pick in a draft um i think that's a pretty valuable pick i mean the bulls are pretty much out second round picks until 2028, I believe. Uh, they have 28, 29, and 30, having traded two to get into this uh, second round for Julian Phillips. So, and like I said before, I mean, those contracts can be really valuable as far as cheap contributors go. Um, but so much of the league has already traded their second round picks that it's kind of hard to even keep track of who has which second round pick. I'm looking at tankathon.com right now. Detroit has traded theirs to Toronto. Washington has traded theirs to Detroit and then to Utah. San Antonio has theirs. That's protected, uh, but I don't really see them as being a suitor. Um, Charlotte traded theirs to Portland. Portland traded theirs to Milwaukee. Toronto traded theirs to Philadelphia. Memphis to Minnesota. I mean, literally all of the picks in the second round, except for two in the top 45, the 33rd and the 45th have been traded, uh, including the Bulls. So just kind of like really depends on the quality of the player. And I know people are kind of talking about this draft as not being as uh you know solid as some of the other ones but um i think really what that means is like there's no clear you know superstar player at the top of the draft that does not necessarily mean that there's not going to be contributors through you know the 35th or 40th picks so uh, i think if you can get some good stuff that makes sense um and i think this yeah desire to maintain the ninth seed or you know as they say kind of move their way up in the play in tournament I don't think that's a good enough reason for me to to say no to good second round picks. Um, so that that's what we got from Jake Fisher. That's the latest um, as far as Bulls Nuggets go. Um, it really just does not seem at all like Caruso and Demar have really been in the ether with regards to uh, potential trades here of late. So we'll see if that even happens. Um, but I'm getting a little bit curious about our guy Patrick Williams. Are the Bulls prepared mm-hmm. to match any offer that he might get in restricted free agency? And if not, uh, should he be in play at the deadline? What are your thoughts about that? And then obviously he's got the injury going on right now. We don't really know where that is leading him and and how serious that is. Uh, I saw him last night in the locker room. He's wearing a boot. He was in good spirits. He was happy to see the media for the first time in a little while. He was uh, joking around with some people. But um, yeah, I think his injury is still a little bit... Uh, unclear as far as what's going to happen there. So how do you think the Bulls should handle uh, Patrick? And I think especially considering how, you know, all these other co- topics that we've talked about factor in with regards to DeMar's free agency in particular. Yeah, I think that's important. And that that this is why everything is connected, right? Like the whole Patrick thing, what he may demand in free agency, either by what he and the Bulls agree to or what he and another team agree to and the Bulls have to make a decision as to whether they re-sign it or match it rather. This is this whole topic is connected. This is why all these questions need to be asked. They're fundamental questions that in, not just impact that singular trade or the players within that trade, but also all you can do with anything else, whether it's your own guys like Pat or other free agents and what you have available to you in that sense. So it does matter. But the reason why I, ran, I wanted to raise this question is obviously Patrick's a restricted free agent. He's currently injured. That injury may play in your favor from a contract standpoint or a negotiating standpoint in the offseason. It may not if he's able to get back and prove that the foot thing is not a problem and you know he can 
go out and do the thing. And, and maybe if he heals it up, maybe he comes back and plays better than he has been more recently. If at that point, one of these cap space teams, maybe a team like the Pistons as an example, is prepared to offer Patrick a number that you don't like, there's a risk associated with losing Patrick for nothing. Does it make sense to be considering trading Patrick? Now, maybe that's not a good idea given, you know, I would assume his value is not really high right now. One, given the fact that he's going to be a restricted free agent, but two, uh, the injury and, and the injury itself, and maybe the uncertainty around said injury. But I think that's something you need to ask yourself. Like, what is our line? What is our number for Pat? Is it 20 million? Are we prepared to pay over 20 million? If the answer is no, and you've got an inkling that maybe Pat can command more than that in free agency, like, does it make sense to move him now? I, I don't know what the answer is to that. I'm not saying that they should. What I'm saying is this is a question they should be asking themselves and ultimately getting an answer on post this deadline. So anyone wanting to conflate this as me saying, these questions are what I think the Bulls should do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just asking the question that you need to be really assessing this thing. You need to be understanding where your line is and you need to be understanding that Patrick Williams' free agency is connected to all these other questions we've asked today. So even though he's not someone that I think people would naturally consider a, a trade target or a trade option right now, and I get why, I still think the Bulls need to be you know, mapping out what, what the plan is for Patrick moving forward. And the deadline in some respects has some element or some control to that. Absolutely. I mean, they, again, all this comes back to, we know this team is not going to go into the luxury tax for better or for worse. That's just the, the fact of the matter. So how do they now, what, what can we, how can we infer what's going to happen based on that limitation? And when you're talking about their free agency this year, basically, you know, they've got 40, Eight, I think, million dollars between maybe it's less than that. Um, I don't know the number exactly off the top of my head, but you've got to fit Patrick and Damar into that number if you're not going to move off of Zach or Alonzo. So, how do you do that, especially when another team could just come in and give Patrick a huge number? Now, I'm not sure about this, so maybe you can uh, clarify. But like, let's say the the Pistons come in and offer Patrick 25 million dollars a year, and the Bulls are like, no chance. Like, can they do a sign and trade in that instance, or is it? Since the, the Pistons have cap space, they can just take him in. It's not necessarily because a lot of times, like when you do a sign and trade, like what the Bulls did with the Spurs to get DeMar was they were an over the cap team. They said, we will have to give you Thaddeus Young and Al Farouk Aminu and a first round pick in order to take on Al Farouk Aminu's contract. And we'll give DeMar money so that we can stay over the cap. Um, but since the Pistons are going to be a cap space team, could they just absorb him into cap space and let the bulls either, you know, accept or decline. Is it the type of situation with the Cavs with Lowry Markinen where they negotiated a sign and trade um, without necessarily him getting a restricted offer sheet and taking it back to the bulls. My thought is that they could possibly do it that way, but in reality, the Pistons could just sign him outright. And now you either have to sign him or not. And you're either way over the tax uh, because you've elected to sign him and bring back Damar, or you let him walk for nothing. Because that's where I think, like, of all the people that could walk for nothing in free agency, like, that's one where I just don't know if you can really sell the fan base on that one. Well, I think there's a segment of, of fans that maybe you could sell it on, like those that are out on Pat and don't think he's worth more than, you know, 10, 15 million, as an example. And if another team comes in and signs him for 25, 30 million, then I think there would be 
you know, a contingent of people that would be fine with letting him go in that example. But to what you were noting there, and I'm, look, I'm, I'm not a cap wizard, but I think if the Pistons match him or, or sorry, sign him to a restricted free agent offer, I think at that point you can't do a sign and trade, if I'm not mistaken. And again, I'm happy to be corrected I think, on I that. I think you're right. You have to work out the sign and trade prior yeah. to extending the offer sheet. Yeah. Or there isn't so, an offer sheet in that case. So in that sense, if the Pistons do come in, they've got, you know, whatever their cap space number is, 40, 50, 60 million, I guess it's dependent on all the other things they do. But assuming they've got space to just offer Pat a deal like that, um, then it's pretty much, you know, do we match or do we not type decision for the ball? So there is risk associated with Pat getting to, to free agency and, and a team like the Pistons who probably have some some holes up front in their front court, need shooting, need defense. Pat fills those holes. They were interested in Pat in the, uh, in the draft in 2020. It makes a lot of sense for them to be in on Pat in a, non, a lot of number of different ways. So you do need to understand what you're doing with him more generally. You need to understand that there's risks in losing him, which is why this whole why this whole conversation is happening right now, like why it's a question. So uh well just to just to kind of uh tie that up, I mean, looking yeah. at some of the projected cap space teams for next year, it's like the Pistons, uh the Sixers, the Magic, the Hornets, the Jazz, the Raptors now, the Pacers can have some cap space if they if they create it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um the Spurs. So it's like Oftentimes with these big cap space teams, they're not going to necessarily be in the running for Paul George. He's probably the prime uh, Mm -hmm. free agent to be right now because he hasn't yet signed an extension because he's not going to go to the Pistons to play for a seven-win team. He wants to compete for a championship. If you're 22 years old and you're entering your second contract and this team is littered with young guys that are all in their rookie deals, you can maybe afford to overpay on a player like Patrick because he's not going to really affect your long-term cap sheet um, beyond obviously his years and dollars on this deal, but it gets you another premium young asset that you can now add into this group who fits your timeline. And so this is not a situation where it's like last or with Zach's free agency, for example, there weren't any cap space teams that he was really at risk of going to the magic or whatever it was because those situations weren't enticing for Patrick. It's going to be about a big payday here. And that's not to say that Patrick doesn't want to be in Chicago or that money is all he cares about. I don't know that. That's just my guess is that if, you know, if he's deciding between, if the Bulls are saying, you know what, Pat, go get an offer sheet and we'll either match it or not. And the Pistons offer him $25 million, like I would have a hard time uh, saying the Bulls should match that just based on their cap situation. I would also have a really hard time saying they should let Patrick move for nothing. So I don't necessarily think that a, a sign and trade for him is just an option that they can go to. I also don't necessarily think that they should put themselves in a situation where they don't really have full control over this. And even though he's restricted, I don't think they have full control over this. So that is a really tricky situation. Um, Yeah, I I don't really know. I mean, they obviously missed their chance to extend him on a rookie scale deal. And obviously they'll see how the market changes and maybe he just plays on the qualifying offer. Um, Maybe his injury really impacts things. Maybe he signs a shorter deal the way Kobe did, a three-year deal, and he can get back on the free agent market a little bit sooner. So there's still some options there, but I think the idea that they have full control over him just because he's uh, restricted is not quite the case. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have some tough decisions with some of these teams out there looking to add uh, valuable young talent. But if you are looking to add anything valuable, like maybe a new vehicle, we've got some great news for you because our partner at Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram in Fox Lake is starting their Ray Resolution 
with the Start Something New sales event. And you know what that means? You'll be able to shop incredible savings on new vehicles in stock because they want to clear out to make room for the brand new vehicles of 2024. For a limited time, get up to $9,000, $9,000 off on new Jeep models with the dealer discount. And that's not all. Shop their last call on remaining 2023 Dodge Challenger and Charger models, including Hellcats, Scat Packs, and more. Dodge is the most powerful muscle car brand, so you don't want to miss out on their last call with 20 Dodge muscle cars to choose from. At Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicago's largest inventories and drive home with more money in your pocket than you'd expect thanks to Ray Price Promise. Don't miss out. Shop great deals all month long and save big because Ray CDJR makes buying new vehicles more affordable than ever. Plus, our fans, you guys, can get a free oil change when you mention CHGO at the service center or mention CHGO when you book online at raycdjr.com slash service. But you have to schedule it before January 31st. That was a week ago, so this ad is old, but I'm sure you can still get that uh, get that free oil change. So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out our friends at Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram because they are the only team we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit Ray CDJR in Fox Lake or RayCDJR.com, serving the community since 1963. All right, Mark. We've hit the hour mark. Stop laughing. And we've got one more question to answer. So I'm just going to post it to you here. Yeah. How much do the Bulls intend this deadline to shape and inform their upcoming offseason? Well, William, that is a big question. What a wanna, what a great question to end the podcast on. I think they have to be thinking about this. This deadline is important to what they do going forward. We just touched on why with Pat. Like what what you do this deadline, whether you keep Pat or not, that determines what you're potentially doing in the offseason. Same thing with Demar. Same thing with the whole thing around Caruso. And if you want to dump Levine or Vooch, whatever it might be, like this is probably the first question they need to answer. Like, what are we doing here? Is the intent of this de- deadline to <laughs> what are focused- we doing? <laughs> wow, I didn't mean it in that intended way. But the question should be like: Is the intent of this deadline to make this current group better, to really lock in for the next thirty games and try to maximize whatever this season is meant to be, or is the intent of the deadline to start laying the foundations for what is to come, whether it's the off season? whether it's the draft, whether it's the off seasons thereafter, whatever it might be, like, is this the pivot point? Or is this the beginning of the pivot point? The thing that allows you to pivot, like we talked about when you talked about uh, the the pieces around maybe attaching things to get off a Levine or a Vooch. Like that allows you to pivot in a way that you can't right now. Moving on from DeMar potentially allows you to pivot in a way that you can't right now. So this big sweeping question is the fundamental question. It's the one they need to answer first. Because then it becomes clearer for all these other things that we've posed today. Like if you don't answer this one first, then you don't know what you're really truly doing with Pat. You don't know what you really want to do with Levine, Vooch, DeRozan, Caruso, whoever it may be. Like this is the first question you need to ask. This is the first hurdle. So this is the answer we all need to hear from AK's lips and his, at his 3 p.m. press conference tomorrow. This is what he needs to answer. I'm not convinced that he will, but this is what they need to be asking and answering tomorrow. The funny part about it is that I think in a lot of ways it's becoming clear that like operating the middle is actually not the easiest thing. Like they are looking for, they're looking for, they're looking to trade their veterans for both veterans who can help you win now and also future draft picks. 
And it's like, those deals don't exist. There's a reason why you're either trading picks away to get players or players away to get picks. That's like how the market works. And so the bulls are trying to trade away players to get more players and picks. It's no wonder they haven't been able to make any trades because nobody can satisfy what they're looking for. And, you know, in, in part, that's a critique because the bulls have unrealistic expectations about what it is that they're trying to do. Um, but it's also like just a, an observation to kind of express why we are up against a third straight deadline of inactivity. And they they have been good enough, I think, for their standards, which is to be competitive, to sell out the United Center, to have exciting games like the one last night where people are really hyped to be watching this team. And, you know, they're in the hunt. They're in the hunt for the play-in. I, I think, you know, obviously the bar has kind of changed. The goalposts have been moved with this play-in tournament and that being something that teams can really get excited about. But um, to me, I, I think that, that leaves them in this position where they are just kind of frozen in the middle. And I think in some ways it's kind of hard to maintain that, but it's not hard to get there. And so even to maintain that, I think is going to be a challenge for the Bulls coming into this deadline into the offseason with all these questions we've just been asking as far as their cap sheet and how they bring back. I mean, this isn't even to talk about beyond next season. What happens when Caruso's a pending free agent and he wants – 18 million dollars a year, 20 million dollars a year. How do you fit that number into your cap books if you bring back Demar at 30 million? You've still got Vooch, and now Kobe's an expiring contract, and he's going to need more than his 13 million dollars a year. I mean, you're going to need to pay him a ton of money. So um, there are longer-term ramifications for all of these decisions, and I don't know that they're quite ready to address them just yet. But I do think that the longer they put them off, the harder those questions uh, become and the more difficult they are to solve. So that is what I am looking forward to. You mentioned it. The uh, post-trade deadline press conference will be uh, at 3 p.m. tomorrow with our tourists answering some questions from the media. Uh, that will be virtual, so we'll be logged into that. And we can have a lot more to talk about after that. Um, I think we can go ahead and probably wrap it up here, Mark, unless you have anything else to say. But I will just add tomorrow, we are doing a live trade deadline special with Matt, Dave, and myself in studio uh, for the final half an hour, I believe, of the trade deadline. So I think we're going live at 1.30 and we'll go through the final buzzer, see if any deals come in. We'll be reacting to all the news that's happening around the league. And if anything happens with Bulls, of course, we'll break that down. And then tomorrow night, obviously, they are back in action in Memphis. So we will be there for post game as well. Uh, Mark, any final thoughts before we sign out here? No final thoughts, William. Um, no, let's just let's sign off. I'm ready to log off. Um, uh, let's see what if there's any more slot waiting for us when we do log off. And um, hopefully we get some answers to these questions. That's the only thing. That is really all we can say that we've been looking for is answers. Because even still, I don't know that I can really say that I have any right now. So I'm very curious to see how this goes. Obviously, Drummond is uh, kind of the name to watch at this point, but, um, you know, DeMar DeRozan could be on the move. Uh, Caruso could be on the move. I'm not making, do you want to just do predictions real quick? Like with Drummond, Caruso, DeMar, do you think each of those guys gets moved? Do you think any of them don't get moved? What's your final prediction? I think Drummond goes to Philadelphia and I think that is the only move. Okay. The only uh, material move, let's say if, someone like Javon Carter is moved or someone that's not in the rotation is traded. 
cool, whatever, like but of, of the players that are in the rotation and playing productive basketball. That is my prediction that Drummond gets moved to the Sixers and for a few second rounders, and that's all we do. I'm going to go... If you'd asked me 10 minutes ago, I probably would have said Drummond was going to get traded, but I don't know. I'm just feeling like nothing's going to happen right now. I'm going to predict no moves are made. I think the Bulls are just feeling a little bit too good about themselves to be changing anything uh, and risking their chance to get that sweet, sweet play-in gate revenue for that one magical moment in April. So we'll see how that all goes. We'll see how it breaks down. We've got less than 24 hours to the deadline. Uh, I'm going to be soaking it in. I'm sure you will be monitoring your Twitter like a madman as will I, and we will be back tomorrow. Thank you guys all for tuning in. We appreciate you checking in the comments, hitting the like and subscribe and all of that on your way out. Uh, Until then, we will talk to you guys next time. We all silly like the mayor.